Try Therapy Notes, the number one rated electronic health record system available today. With live telephone support seven days a week, it's clear why Therapy Notes is rated 4.9 out of 5 stars on Trustpilot and has a 5-star rating on Google. Therapy Notes makes billing, scheduling, note-taking, and telehealth incredibly easy. And now for all you prescribers out there, Therapy Notes is proudly introducing ePrescribe. Try it today with no strings attached and see why everyone is switching to Therapy Notes, now featuring ePrescribe. You can get two months free by using promo code CHAT at therapynotes.com. Trauma Therapist Network is a website to learn about trauma and how it shows up in our lives and to find a trauma therapist. Go to traumatherapistnetwork.com to find a trauma therapist near you today. Therapy Chat Podcast, episode 379. This is the Therapy Chat Podcast with Laura Reagan, LCSWC. The information shared in this podcast is not a substitute for seeking help from a licensed mental health professional. And now, here's your host, Laura Reagan, LCSWC. This week's episode is sponsored by Therapy Notes, the number one rated electronic health record system available today. With live telephone support seven days a week, it's clear why Therapy Notes is rated 4.9 out of 5 stars on Trustpilot and has a 5-star rating on Google. Therapy Notes makes billing, scheduling, note-taking, and telehealth incredibly easy. And now, for all you prescribers out there, Therapy Notes is proudly introducing ePrescribe. Use coupon code CHAT or click the link in the show notes to get two free months at therapynotes.com. Hi, welcome back to Therapy Chat. I'm your host, Laura Regan, and this week I'm bringing you a new episode. So for the last couple of weeks, I've taken a break from releasing new episodes after having a death in the family, and I'm definitely moving slower, but still creating the podcast because I love it. It's really meaningful to me, and I hope it's meaningful to you too. This week's episode is definitely one that I really want you to hear. It's very important, the topic and the speaker whose work is really needing to be amplified. We need to hear this message. All of us who work in the mental health field and all of us who are living in our bodies and in relationships, my guest today is Akila Riley Richardson. Akila Riley Richardson, MSW, CCTP, is a published researcher, relational healing facilitator, couples therapist, and certified clinical trauma professional. She has been in clinical practice for 16 years and has experience working with couples and persons practicing consensual non-monogamy, both in the Caribbean and internationally. Akila also specializes in working with sexual minorities and racial minorities, or people who are in minoritized bodies because these dynamics may not really be in the minority, but they are marginalized within Western culture and in other cultures around the world. Akila has presented in various spaces, including the Psychotherapy Networker Symposium very recently. That's where I was fortunate to meet her, not 
not the first I learned of her, but where I was lucky to get to meet her in person. And she's been a social work educator at the University of the Southern Caribbean since 2012. Akila is the founder of the BIPOC Relational Healing Institute and the creator of the PRIDE model. PRIDE is an acronym. I've got some notes here from our, our conversation. In this conversation, Akila is mainly teaching me, but we were discussing systemic trauma, what is allyship, intimacy and relationships, and how power dynamics show up in same-sex couples and, and non-monogamous, polyamorous relationships and interracial, interracial relationships. She has a course coming up that starts in mid-May 2023. And if you're listening to this later, it will be recorded and still available after that time. And the link will be in the show notes so you can check it out. And her course is called Liberatory. Actually, that's not true. She has a free webinar called Liberatory Connections, Healing the Impact of Systemic Trauma in Couples Therapy that is starting in early May. And her course is Systemic Trauma in Couples Therapy. So in this conversation, you're going to hear Akila talking to me about making a liberatory connection, the micro-liberation movement, therapeutic colonialism. I was finding this very interesting. And basically, we talked about how what therapists need to know and what individuals and couples need to understand about the power dynamics in relationships where one or both partners are, is, are a member of a marginalized or oppressed group. Sometimes things happen in couples therapy sessions and the therapist takes a perspective about what's going on between the two and the dynamic and the communication and boundaries that might not take into account, most likely doesn't, because most of our teaching is very, uh, very much based in the system's that support supremacy of white bodies and understanding that people who are in minoritized bodies have good reasons for the way they are perceiving what's going on in the relationships. And the therapist needs to understand the dynamics in order to be able to truly help the clients and also not contribute to re-traumatization or oppression through the work. Because we don't want that. And that would be an example would be therapeutic colonialism, which she's going to explain when you listen to this conversation. I want to say a couple things about the course. I've looked at the modules and I'm planning on I'm planning on signing up for this course, which is quite affordable, especially considering what you get for it. But so in this course, Akila teaches how homophobia, racism, xenophobia, and other experiences of marginalization may impact clients, and they may not even realize how it's impacting them and how it's affecting their relationships. So she's developed a model for assessing and repairing the impacts of systemic trauma that she calls the pride method. And in this course, you'll learn through live modules. And if you missed the live version in beginning of May 2023, you can catch the recording, recorded version. She's teaching about understanding the foundation of work with the minorities and the pride model, relational interrogation and ex responsible externalizing, which she teaches about or she talks about in our conversation and treating the trauma and building liberatory connections and intimacy. All right. So I really wanted to give you kind of an idea about what this episode is about. And I don't know if I've done the greatest job talking about it, but I invite you to listen and 
see what you can learn, see what new information there might be or what might spark your interest. And I am hoping to have more and more conversations with people who are really developing progressive ideas and aren't getting as much of the attention as the big names in our field, but the work that they're doing is equally important and maybe more more new, more thought-provoking, and more attuned to our current world and and the changes that are needed in our world. Uh, there's such an interesting thing happening right now in the mental health field. I feel like some reckoning is happening with old ways of doing things and newer ways that are more inclusive, more grounded in a humanistic approach and backed by research, but more applicable to people now. So hopefully this will be inspiring to you for learning more and wanting to make sure that the way you're working with individuals and couples, if you're a therapist or if you're a human and you're listening and you're not a therapist or you are, maybe this will make you think about relationships that you're in and how you see the power dynamics in the relationships that you're in and kind of getting a bigger picture about how oppression and marginalization affects us all. Pretty much almost every type of person who's in a therapy situation is impacted by the dynamics that we're talking about here. So time to get some new learning. So I'm excited to share this conversation with you. I was so honored that Akila shared her time with me and I can't wait for you to listen. So I'm not going to talk anymore for now. I'm just going to go ahead and let's get right into listening to my conversation with Akila Riley Richardson. Hi, welcome back to Therapy Chat. I'm your host, Laura Reagan, and today I am very honored to be speaking with a colleague, someone who I've recently met and I hope will become a friend, Akila Riley Richardson. Akila, thank you so much for being my guest on Therapy Chat today. Thank you for having me. Yes, I'm so I'm so happy we're doing this and we had talked about it and it's happening. So Let's start off by you just telling those who are watching and listening a little bit more about who you are, where you are, and what you do. I often start by saying I'm a human, bumbling humans. But yeah, it's so important for me to acknowledge that my being human and my experiences as a human being has just fed how I work, how I teach. I'm a therapist, I'm a clinical social worker, I'm a trainer, a consultant, and a lot of my work has been around working with racial and sexual minorities and working with couples in general and working with people who experience trauma. So a trauma professional as well. Where I am, I'm in the Caribbean, Trinidad and Tobago. So I'm, I'm located here, but I work in, in so many other spaces. So there are many times when I'm, I'm working for, I'm working internationally virtually. Yeah. Yeah. So, and you, are you a, I don't want to misspeak, but are you a somatic experiencing practitioner? So, so I'm trained in somatic experiencing. I'm trained in somatic experiencing. I'm trained in several other modalities as well. But I know I'm not a certified somatic experiencing practitioner. I'm a certified clinical trauma professional, right? So, so a lot of my work is around that and working with couples. Yeah. The specifications are around that. 
in particular. Well, thank you. The reason I asked is because I know you always talk about the body a lot when when yes. you're talking. So yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Definitely. I use it. I lean on it because so much of what we hold, we hold in our bodies. Yeah, so I definitely use that and acknowledge that in my week. And I use that a lot of times to, to uh, openly walk with people as they, they, they meet their healing in whatever form it takes. Yeah. So we are talking today about something that I think a lot of therapists might not really, they may sense or pick up on, but they might not necessarily consider as a main focus of the way they're approaching their work with clients. And that is, you know, beyond the individual with their history and their presenting concerns and their family of origin. You know, everyone is obviously within their community, their family, their culture, and the social workers, that's the way we learn. But you're teaching about a really important aspect of working with clients that I think is often overlooked, which is really about the impact of oppression and systemic racism and structural factors that deeply impact the way people relate to themselves and, and their partners. Yeah, yeah. A lot of both. So a huge part of my focus right now is working with couples who experience various types of systemic harm, not just racism, sexism, heterosexism, ableism, all of these things. I'm thinking about when I see people in my room, when is it just the dyadic or, or in polyamorous cases, when is it the relationship and when is it the wider system that's kind of stepping in and, and causing disruption and, 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 and affecting the dynamics between the parties. So a lot of times what I do is I do a thing called relational interrogation and I use several strategies, at least six frames, and I work with people to kind of figure out, okay, what's really happening here? Is it the system that you occupy? Is it sexism? Is it racism? Is it ableism? And how is it affecting how you understand self and how you understand part your partner and how you're working with each other? So for example, there's this tool I use called the theater of the oppressed. Yeah. Talk about I just invite people to talk about where have they been cast in the theater of oppression? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Individually, where have you been cast? And are those roles that you've taken up now being practiced or performed unconsciously in your relationship with your partner? I remember when I first when I first taught this course that I'm going to teach again, that was one of the tools I was showcasing, you know, allowing people to show, allowing students to see. Yeah, we can have these conversations with people, you know, where we allow them to kind of take a dick of a big, big look a huge look at just the ways in which the their 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 relationship with the world is now affecting their relationships with themselves and consequently their partners. Yeah. So a big part of the work is this relational interrogation. And 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 if if we're seeing that the system is shaping how people interact, then we have to do some degree of externalizing. And it's a process I call responsible externalizing, where we help people to where necessary attribute what's happening to the system where applicable and allow that to kind of work through the nervous system. That that moment, I, I, it was my colleague, Julianne Taylor Shaw, who really helped me to understand just the power of that moment, the unlocking that happens in that particular moment when people realize, oh, wait, it's not my partner. It's not just my family in region. There's something else at play here. And there's this, there's this kind of moment of memory reconsolidation. If I, if I, if I want to term it that way, I just where there's this new awareness that comes up and the brain says, look at that. And the research actually shows us that when 
we can help couples who are being oppressed to externalize, helps them to build healthier threat mitigation strategies. So it helps them to really now think about how do we protect our system, how do we protect ourselves even more. And I think as well, from what I've noticed in my work, when people externalize, it helps them to gravitate to each other more. So the externalizing is about saying, you know what, my partner is not the enemy. It's, it's sexism, it's ableism, it's racism, it's transphobia, you know, and that's really, 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 really important. And I, and I use the term responsible externalizing because I'm well aware, but not everything can be externalized. Some things are originating in the relationship, but when it's happening outside and we are misattributing it to our partners, it's really, really, really helpful. So that moment allows people to get connected and turn their eyes on the real, the real enemy there, which are all these forces that are not in their best interest. All of these forces that actually harm them. And, and, and in the work, what is done after that is that we, we do the trauma work. And I want to say the trauma work when working with couples who are dealing with several forms of isms in their lives. The trauma work is really about understanding that we will be doing this for a very long time. So, you know, in, 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 in many modalities, you do the trauma work and it's complete. It's, it's in this capsule of time, right? But when you're working with people who are undergoing consistent or constant or pervasive harm, what you find is that you're going to have to keep doing it throughout your time. So there, there are different strategies that I would use that people could use other strategies as well, from SE to whatever else, to keep doing the work with couples. And alongside that, we're doing a process of building what we call liberatory connections, yeah, and using strategies to support clients in, in that process. I'll pause here just in case you have any questions on anything that I, that I said I said. I could talk a lot, you know. <laughs> oh, that's wonderful. No, please. And I, I, it's not like I had a question that I was waiting to ask, but I'm very interested in everything you're saying. And I'm just thinking about maybe, do you think that it would be helpful to share an example of a dynamic between a couple that could represent this for our listeners? I'm not a couples therapist and I, I usually talk about individual therapy a lot. So I, most definitely. I remember it's a video. I, when I when I when I teach, I share I shared this video in particular. It was this black Trinidadian couple that I was working with, and they were they were living in the UK at the point in time, and they were both experiencing considerable racism and and, and, and xenophobia, and they had different ideas about how to manage it. The female partner was very triggered. She felt that she was constantly living in fight mode and in flight mode. And just, just being very, very, very upset by just having to manage daily incidents of microaggression and racism, etc. And the male partner was not feeling the same way. He was affected by it, but he felt there was a different way for him to handle it. Now, first of all, the fact that he thought that she was handling it in a way that, that, that was less than ideal was already a sense of contention between them. I remember there was a session where he asked, you know, Keila, do you think there are any better ways that she could handle this? And she lost it. Just the words, better ways. And she said to him, you are a threat to me. You're judging me. It's a threat. And that's just one way when they have different ways of dealing with the harm, right? The other thing, too, that I've noticed is the stress of it can cause people sometimes to withdraw from each other. So I remember even in that particular case, she had said to me that I, I can't, I don't, I don't know what it's like to be intimate anymore. Yeah, I, I can't take off my sense of fight. It's very difficult to engage. You know, I hear, I hear sounds in a louder way at my body, her whole body shifted and she was not experiencing the degree of internal integration to allow her to integrate with anybody else. 
So it was causing friction between the both of them because she could not engage in that way. You know, I've, I've, I've seen it. I was working with a same-sex couple as well. And, you know, I remember, and, I, and this is in a recent session. So one partner is pansexual and can pass for being cishet. And the other partner is, is, is same-sex loving and, and, and doesn't, definitely doesn't have that kind of passing privilege. And the, the partner whose pan was more passing privilege was kind of complaining, might be too intense, but just, I guess, openly grieving over the fact that when they're in public, she doesn't get any forms of affection. And, and she can see when, when the homophobia is seeping into the relationship because it's already causing her partner with, to withdraw and not be comfortable. And, and even they had tensions around the differential passing privilege. And when I say passing privilege, I mean, if, if I am a, a, a person who occupies a minoritized body, if I'm a marginalized person, but I can appear by my physical appearance to be a member of, of, of a dominant group. So if I'm a, about, I'm a person of color who can appear white, or if I'm a, a, a gay person who can appear heterosexual, or a trans person who can appear cis, in, in cisgender, sorry, then I have what's called passing privilege. And when there are different levels of passing privilege, it means that we're having different experiences. And, and I have seen those different experiences just kind of clash in session. I've also seen it because I also work with interracial couples. I remember working with a couple in, in, they're in Finland now, I suppose they're in Portugal, I'm mixing it up right now. And, um, you know, one partner, just uh, her husband is white and she's black. And, you know, he was complaining about her being aggressive. And I, and, and, and her talking about the fact that, you know what? The way that I show up here is because I live in this space. It doesn't feel like it could hold me. You know, I don't feel connected in this space. I feel like I'm battling in this space. I have biracial children and I'm trying to figure out how do I navigate this world where there are few people that even look like me. I don't have a community. And I, and I could, in, at that moment, you could sense how homophobia and transphobia was just kind of creating distance between the both of them. I, I, and so these are just, not homophobia, sorry, racism and xenophobia, my bad. But it shows up in little ways. And I'll say this other piece. I've also seen it show up with regard to historical trauma. I was working with this Black couple once. And the female partner found herself feeling so overburdened in the relationship. And found that she had to just kind of step in and take care of the entire space and the entire family and, 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 and mother her husband, right? And we did a lot of work around that. We use relational interrogation. We use a, a tool that I created called the Intergenerational Compassionate Network. And we were able to track some of that to just the historical trauma that Black women have had to experience from, from since on the slave plantation, just having to take charge and how that legacy of the Black woman, that matriarch kind of thing, having to take charge because of how our men were stripped away from us. That, that was just passing out from generation to generation. This strong black woman thing that we have going on. Yeah. That is, I mean, yeah, we're strong, but a part of that is a response to violence. Yeah. Yeah. Which is the violence against, against African people in the diaspora. So, and, and you could see how it was playing itself out in the relationship. And I remember we did the ICN, it's a generational compassionate network, and she was able to just connect it, you know, to, yeah, there was an ancestor who had to do this. And so I know certain things, this mothering I do, that lives on in my nervous system because we know about epigenetics and we know the survival, 
these trauma responses do pass on yeah, from generation to generation. And, and so we're, we're enacting it. So it's not just contemporary systemic trauma. It's also historical systemic trauma that lives on in, in our bodies and it's playing ourselves thing itself out. And, and I, I grieve as I talk about this because, you know, I remember in a particular forum saying that I don't like when some women, are, like, this is the terms, this is as we use to diagnose people in sessions, you know, who's an aggressor and who's this and who's that. And I'm like, but if we dig deeper, we'd realize that we're, we're, we're misdiagnosing. I think diagnosis can be very, it, it, it has its utility. I don't want to discredit it, but I think we have to be very careful because, you know, I say often that every move in the, in the therapeutic room is political. And quite frankly, you know, I, I draw on the wisdom of, of my dear friend and colleague, Joseph Wynn. He said to me once, Kilo, the clinical is political. Everything I say and do in the therapeutic space is either me Therapists, we've all had that moment. You wake up in the middle of the night. Oh my gosh, did I do my notes? Well, you don't have to worry about that anymore when you use Therapy Notes. Therapy Notes makes it easy to write your notes, get them done quickly, but thoroughly. My group practice has used Therapy Notes for six years and everyone always finds it easy to use. But the best thing is if you do need help, you can call their customer service number and a person answers the phone. And anytime I've ever had to use it, which is maybe three times in the past six years, my issue has been resolved easily with a cheerful demeanor in 15 minutes or less. So I highly recommend Therapy Notes. And don't forget, go to therapynotes.com and use promo code chat to get two free months. upholding, mm. challenging, or transforming. There is no move in the therapeutic space that is devoid of a political context. None. And, and when I, in that moment, decide I'm going to label this an escalating couple or I'm going to say this person's withdrawn or whatever, whatever other terms we use that we've all been trained in, if I'm missing something, what I've done, well, first of all, I, I really believe in therapeutic colonialism and the way in which we, we treat, our, we treat, we treat our, our clinical rooms as if they are sometimes, not all of us, not all of us, but sometimes we can run the risk of treating our, our clinical spaces as if they are terrain to be conquered, meaning this is us. Very, very, very similar to, to colonialism. Mm. We're moving in and we're seeing people occupied there. And our responsibility is to come in mm. and fix. And, and it can seem like partnerships sometimes, but, but the minute we begin to name, I call that sometimes, not all times, I want to stress, not all times, sometimes the act of therapeutic colonialism. I mean, I live in a space that was heavily colonized. All our streets are named after, after royal figures and da 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 and King Charles, King whatever, and Charlotte and whatever, whatever. And, you know, that's, that doesn't feel much different in my body from when we come in and we see people begin to name their behaviors and we give ourselves this power of naming, mm -hmm. you know, it's a, it's a, it's a form of invasion sometimes. And, and you see, I'm using my words cautiously. I'm saying sometimes, so I don't want to throw out all of these things completely, 
But here's what I will say, though. When you're working with people who are on the margins of our society, people who occupy, who are people of color, people who are same-sex loving, who are trans, who are bi, who are even women, when we, when we walk in to work with these people and then we give ourselves this power to name, I think if we're not careful, we are further marginalizing them. We are maybe further harming them. I think we have to be very careful. You know, there's this book by Eduardo Duran called Healing the Soul Week. I always remember there's this thing he says, diagnosis is a naming ceremony. That, that just that just stuck out in my head because he was talking about just indigenous people, et cetera, et cetera. And just the power of diagnosis. And, and just think about that. If you understand, like for indigenous people and, and for many people of color, like I know as an as a, as a African descendant, what, 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 what your name means. Like the name is a site of, of oppression and liberation. The fact that our names have been stripped away, our last names, mm-hmm. that is evidence of our own colonization and imperialism, etc. And for those of us who decide to reclaim our name, people like Resmo, it's a, it's a, it's a statement. And, and if names are so powerful, understand that, 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 that the, the naming ceremony that is diagnosis is also very powerful. So, I mean, I feel like I've seen so many things. But I, 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 I kind of just want us to understand that when we're working with people, we want to partner people to help them discover, our couples in particular, what is really happening here. And so the, the strategies that we employ in relation interrogation is it's, it's, it's to help them to come to something, for them to name what's happening. Yeah. And so the entire therapeutic relationship is supposed to be more egalitarian, to give them that power of naming. Just the power to be able to name, I think, is is a, like a micro a micro liberation movement. Yeah, giving people the power to look at their relationships and define what's happening. It's a micro liberation movement. And so the the work that I've been I've been trying I've been advocating for is to create these micro liberation movements in therapy. Yeah, I'll pause here. Running a group private practice has been a challenging and rewarding experience. And one thing that has made it so much easier is Therapy Notes. Therapy Notes makes billing, scheduling, note-taking, and telehealth incredibly easy. If you're coming from another EHR, like I did, Therapy Notes makes the transition incredibly easy, importing your demographic data free of charge so you can get going right away. My team has found Therapy Notes very easy to learn. It's intuitive. The customer support is second to none. And that's one of the things that has kept me a Therapy Notes customer for several years now. Anytime I've needed to contact Therapy Notes for help with an issue I couldn't figure out on my own, I've been able to get through to someone and resolve the issue within 15 minutes, 99% of the time. Find out what more than 100,000 mental health professionals already know. Try Therapy Notes for two months absolutely free. Just click on the link in the show notes or enter the promo code chat at therapynotes.com. No, I love. Well, I just I'm like, wow, that's a I have not heard that phrase before. And did you create that micro liberation movement? You want to hear something really interesting? Every time I speak about this stuff, I I love like what my colleague Bayou Akumulafe says. Every time we are an experience, we leave hyphenated, right? <sighs> so. So recently speaking, was when I started to say to talk more about therapeutic colonialism. And maybe maybe it exists before. I've never heard it before, but maybe it exists somewhere. So I'm I'm not going to pretend well, I'm the one that created it. Maybe it exists. I'll go Google and see. That was also the first time I ever heard that. But I also thought 
you need to read more. Like, I don't know anything. That's what I started thinking. I I started calling it that, but I don't know if anybody else said it. And if anybody else said it, well, great. I I still look great that. Micro-liberation movement just came out of my mouth. That happens with me a lot. Like, some things just begin. Like, that's the thing. That's that's why I, I, I... so a, a, a huge part of what I want to do when working with therapists, like I'm not interested in being anybody's guru. I remember saying that I'm not a, like our industry has this huge penchant for guruizing mm-hmm. people. Yes. I want people to become their own guru. I want people when they sit and they can hear us to discover. So the same wish I have for my clients is what I wish for all of us as therapists. You know, all of us as people that as we talk more and we interrogate more, we begin to discover. Yeah. And I, I think this whole notion of micro liberation movement is started to take genesis in it started to take genesis before. I've I've been thinking through this idea, but naming it this is is something that I'm I'm I I I'm I'm sitting with, you know, I wish I could say, oh, I had this a long time ago. No. <laughs> um, as I'm as I'm with you, I've now been able to presence it in a way that feels, you know, real for my body. So when I show up in my course now that I've said it. <laughs> Yay. Because, and and I'm, I'm, you know, when I teach, somebody said to me, Akila, you don't do Q&A. When people ask you questions, you don't do Q&A. You do Q&Q. Because if you ask me a question, I'll ask you a question. Because I really believe that if I create a space where all different epistemologies can be held, where, and by epistemologies, I mean different ways of knowing can be held, then people will come to things on their own and be like, uh-huh. I mean, it's not our dream for therapists. That's my dream for therapists. Yeah. That we would we would have these new aha uh, moments and that we would write stuff down and create. Each therapist can have their own model for working and bring their own brand and their own, you know. But yeah, it, it, but I really, really believe that back to just the, what we're talking about, when we're working with couples, if you look at, if you're looking at the, the relationship as a system, you're thinking, well, how can I create micro liberation movements you know for the system yeah how do i show up mm-hmm. how do i want the couple to show up mm-hmm. everything i do is this a movement aligned with micro liberation mm-hmm. and i said micro because these small things need to happen like you know adrian marie brown talks about emergence you know and fractals and just the way that small things lead to big things yeah you know so i'm i'm looking for the micro liberation because to me it helps to really just anchor and give birth to bigger changes that I may not see in my lifetime, but I would I, I consider myself a, a, a drop in the the wider process that needs to happen. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you for that. All of that. And I'm just as time passes and I reflect about being a therapist and the, you know, colonization and colonialism and you know, it seems there's so much that therapists have to unlearn to be able to approach the work from a, a liberatory perspective, because it's like we go to school and we are told to be less of who we are and we're taught, you know, all this, how to be a professional and never do this and never do that and boundaries and your blank slate and all of those things. And, you know, we know it's all rooted in colonialism and patriarchal systems and but, mm-hmm. yes yes so it's like to untangle all of that and uncouple from that is something that people have to be intentional to do because the system is pulling towards that homeostasis yeah. our whole structure of 
what therapy is, is very much, you know, there's a strong pull towards the more detached, more short-term models, like, which, okay, short-term models have their, their usefulness, but I, like you said about, I mean, just what you said about working with people who are literally living within, you know, the air that they're breathing is an environment that isn't safe for them to be who they are, whether whatever the ism is that's impacting them, us. Mm -hmm. So it's not like just making something go away because when the person leaves, they're walking right back into that. Yep. I'm glad you raised that. But I think acknowledging that they're walking out and walking in with it every week, however often you see them, I think is so very important, but it doesn't go away. But I think, um, like, we, I have to, we have this pension for fixing. We want to fix. And when our couples exist in systems that are fundamentally broken, we want to fix that. And that's why I say, you know, I, I want a whole space for couples to redefine really what intimacy means to them. So there's their conventional understandings and so many different relationship gurus and, and thought leaders on couples therapy have this definition of what intimacy is. I don't have one. I, I had one before, you know, it, it consisted of this or that. And when I listened to myself, I realized that I was just mimicking what the big trainer said intimacy was. Intimacy means do 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 But then I asked myself, Akila, who am I to say to people who live real lives, what connecting to another human being should look like. I want to say that, I want to say that one more time because I think I think I want my body to even feel that. Yeah. Who am I to tell somebody what connection should look like as if the person does not exist with a history and a story that continues. So it, it, it when people are living through transphobia and sexism and racism, who am I to tell people how to construct what, what healthy intimacy should look like? Like, like what? You know, like I can't understand health outside of a context. Everything has a context. Mm. And and it's the, it's the therapeutic colonialism. It's the stepping in naming, <laughs> claiming that this is what it is. Mm-hmm. Once, yeah, I'm, seeing, it's, I'm seeing it as you're saying it. Yes. I'm seeing it clearer too now. Yeah. It's naming it, claiming. it, claiming it. Oh, I'm going to fix this. In naming it and claiming it. And we, and even when we say we're in partnership and we've come to support, do, 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 we have a frame. We've put down in a sign and said, this is what it looks like. This is Intimacy Street. I've walked into your relationship and this is Intimacy Street. Yeah? This is vulnerability lane. Yeah? This is what it's supposed to look like. This is, yeah, you're naming, you're naming. And I'll leave. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not here. It's just very similar to, to, very similar to colonialism and currently colonialism. I'm not here in your space, but your ideas of how you should live abide by them. Yeah? No consideration of what your day your day to day life should be and the, the challenges you experience. No real room for you to construct it. Like you know, in liberation psychology, we talk about the fact that, you know, theory shouldn't define problems. Problems should generate theories, mm-hmm. you know? And 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 we should give people whose whose bodies uh, tormented, and I use that term very, very carefully, and I use it with no kind of reservation. People whose bodies and, and, and sense of self are harassed by microaggressions and various forms of harm, we should give them the space to define what safe looks like. Yeah. And what yeah. anything to looks like. And, and, and so, yeah, I want to work with people to, to, to reconfigure what intimacy is for them and, and, and to sit with them and hold whatever they can do. And, and the, uh, the additional thing I'd say 
it's because of my orientation. I do, I do want to see liberation for all. I do want to see a more egalitarian space, but a more fear space, see more to, to be not just egalitarian, quite frankly, but a more, uh, but a fairer space, a, a more equitable space. I, I will share about, you know, how we can use this, how we could, how we can make a liberatory connection. So a liberatory connection, as I define it, is one in which the connection between two people openly recognizes the impact of systemic harm and the, and the connection is designed to help restore selfhood that is eroded because of systemic harm and also to repair connection and relationship and also support people to be able to navigate through systemic trauma. And so that's how I understand a liberatory connection. But I am very comfortable holding space for couples who may not want to even take it that far. Yeah, because taking on and navigating trauma is systemic harm is not easy. You know, you and I have spoken about just the sometimes the rules that, that people of color sometimes have to take on. Yes. To, 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 to survive the system. And yes. What might seem as, as us not doing enough sometimes is the only way we know to survive. Yeah. And I, who am I, as tempting as it is sometimes, to be quite honest, who am I to judge another person's survival? So, I mean, it, it, it's hard. It's hard. And if we understand ourselves as therapists, as social change agents, we can support people in being exactly as they think they need to be. People who are marginalized or anybody else, exactly how they feel they need to be to be able to survive a world that isn't always very accommodating of difference. And, that, and there's so many different political systems at play here. Yeah. Big, 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 big work and really, really, really important for, you know, for our survival as a species because we're tearing this whole thing down, the planet and fellow humans, you know? So what we haven't really said yet, but I want to be sure to touch on before we run out of time for today is that you... Are teaching all of this in a course yes. that starts very soon. Yeah, I am. I'm teaching for the Academy of Therapy Wisdom second time, and I'm teaching about how to do this work. Well, at least how I think this work could be done. But I'm definitely open to to learning from other people how they want to do this work. So there is no one way to do this work. So there's a five week course that's going to be coming on five ninety minute sessions. We will begin on May 11th. Yeah. It's on Thursdays, I believe. May 11th is a Thursday. So five Thursdays. CEs are available. And you know, in addition to having these five sessions with me just kind of rumbling with all of these hard things and, and exploring strategies and looking at tip. I teach with tip. Like I teach with a lot of clinical tips. So, you know, the first time I taught this course, I showed the journey of three couples working with me, showcasing that. And now we're going to look at uh, two other couples as well. So we're going to have five, five couples that we've been looking at in terms of the clinical work with these five couples. And in addition to that, I've been so, 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 so honored, humbled, blessed just to have some people who I really respect in the field join me for bonus interviews. Razwa Menachem is on the course. I'm sorry, but that's such a big deal. That's no, such a that's big deal. It's a big deal for me primarily because, I mean, when you see the interview, you'll see. I had my whole God, for this interview should go. And it went a totally different way. And mm-hmm. I think it, it, it's, it, it's, it's the... It's a very authentic, like I cried a lot, but it's a very authentic moment for, for us both. Baya Kumulafe, I mean, John Edwards, Joseph Wynn, Julian Taylor Show, lots of others, you know, Stan Tatkin, Raphael Smith-Theo, it, 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 I'm forgetting one name, Tracy Rogers. Nine incredible bonus interviews. Wow. And 
And this time, I think we're digging deeper. We want to talk about what is allyship. So we, in addition to the five sessions, we're going to have two other sessions that I am not going to be leading. They're going to be led by Terry Delaney, who's going to be exploring with what is allyship and what does it look like and how people who want to explore what, what allyship or allyship as some say when it comes to sexism or racism or ableism, all the isms, what is that supposed to look like? And Terry will be taking a deep, deep dive with persons in these two one-hour sessions. So it's it's packed. You know, if you are a, a BIPOC professional, I mean, you get a discount. And I, I love that Therapy Wisdom does that because we know that a lot of our BIPOC professionals don't earn as much as their white, white colleagues. So we're holding space for that. And and if you, if you occupy a, a different body, Please know that it's very reasonably priced. Well, in my opinion, I could, but of course, who am I to say what is reasonably priced, right? But I, I but it, it's discounted just to kind of open space to kind of have people be part of this experience. 450 minutes, live minutes, you know, of this, of digging deep in this way. Yeah. Sounds so wonderful. And I did look at, you know, as I commented on your social media this week that I looked at the the offering, what it all is. And I was like, oh, my goodness. I mean, it just looks so rich, really rich material and depth, you know, not just surface lip service kind of conversations. As anyone who's listening to you right now will clearly see that that's not the way you do things to do surface, you know. But I also want to say for everyone who's watching and listening that I understand, and please, Akila, correct me if I'm wrong, but I understand that after the five weeks, it will still be available as a recorded course as well. Yeah, 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 yeah. You, so first of all, if you can't catch a live session within the five weeks, there's a replay that will be released during the week. So if, it's, if you can't make it on Thursday, you will replay so if you catch it after. And the course will be up after as well, Yeah. Sometimes people love the live experience because it gives them the opportunity to ask questions and interact. But I mean, if you can't catch the live experience, totally okay to, to, to catch the recorded after. Yeah, because I want to make sure if someone hears this like six months after, yes. that they can still go to the link yes. and find it's the definitely. course. Yeah. Academy of Therapy Wisdom, click the name of the course. And if you Google it, Systemic Trauma in Couples Therapy, those ways, Systemic Trauma in Couples Therapy, Academy of Therapy Wisdom, they'll show up there, Akila Riley Richardson, and, and yeah, come and join us. Yeah, and, and I will have a link to the course in the show notes and I bet you probably will have it on your website. Yeah, it's up on my website. I think I actually moved on it last night. <laughs> By the time this airs. Right. I should put this up too. I should put this up. It was up and it was updated and so I updated it last night. Grill. And so also if people want to work with you even outside of the course where can people find all of the amazing things that you are doing and that you will be offering in the future? Yeah, I think the best way to keep up with with some of the stuff that I've been doing is just to stick, go on my website. You can subscribe, KeelaRileyRichardson.com, spelling of my name. I tell people I'm very good at not emailing often. So we don't bombard with emails. You certainly won't get anything. I mean, when stuff is happening, probably one a week, and when something's not happening, you'll be like, where is she? Um, uh-huh uh-huh I, I feel that very deep inside it's like it's really it's a lot to make time to yeah. outside of just first trying to live and then trying to work 
but also to keep up with sending out emails on some kind of regular yeah. schedule is challenging. <laughs> I, I don't have I don't have that ability. Like I said, if we get if we get to you one 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 week in the month or once a week, you know, <laughs> then you're like, oh, she's alive. Other than that, it's it's pretty quiet. Like right now, it's quiet, but it does. It became a little bit loud just last night. We have to start just sharing about the course someone's coming up. So be loud for, for the next two to three weeks. And then, but also email info at akilaradyrichardson.com. You know, it for people who want to do clinical work or trainings, feel free to, to reach out. We'll pick it up. We don't, we may not always respond like the minute after, but we tend to get back to, to people who respond to us. If we don't get, you know, send another email, sometimes it goes to junk. But, but yeah, feel free to send an email as well. Also on, on Instagram as well. I guess Akila dot Riley Richardson. I'm not very good with the socials, but I joined, I joined that. I'll find, I'll be sure to double check what it is. Yes. And I'll, I'll put that in the show notes and the email and the link to the course and your website. And I'm so grateful to you for sharing some of your time with me and much of your, actually probably a small sliver of your knowledge for our audience to hear, because I know that they are all probably like, ooh, ooh, I want to know more. So thank you, Akila, for being my guest today. No, thank you for, like I say, like, like Bayou, I've heard Bayou. See, every time we're in experience, we leave hyphenated. So I'm Akila Riley Reagan. I have... <laughs> I'm very serious when I'm chatting I think emerge I'm like oh and I know the emerge because I was in a space with a particular person at the time who allowed that to be born and I could yeah yes we created something together so I'm Laura Riley Richardson Reagan now right just Riley Richardson (laughs) we can get my whole (laughs) thanks it's yours you can you can keep it but thank you for what we co-created thank you for spending this time I really appreciate it no problem. Thank you. Bye, everyone. Thank you to Therapy Notes for sponsoring this week's episode. I do love Therapy Notes. It's such an asset to my business and makes my job as a practice owner and a therapist much easier. Try it today with no strings attached to see why everyone is switching to Therapy Notes, now featuring ePrescribe. Use coupon code CHAT or click the link in the show notes to get two free months at therapynotes.com. Thank you for listening to Therapy Chat with your host, Laura Reagan, LCSWC. For more information, please visit therapychatpodcast.com. Try Therapy Notes, the number one rated electronic health record system available today. With live telephone support seven days a week, it's clear why Therapy Notes is rated 4.9 out of 5 stars on Trustpilot and has a 5-star rating on Google. Therapy Notes makes billing, scheduling, note-taking, and telehealth incredibly easy. And now for all you prescribers out there, Therapy Notes is proudly introducing ePrescribe. Try it today with no strings attached and see why everyone is switching to Therapy Notes, now featuring ePrescribe. You can get two months free by using promo code CHAT at therapynotes.com. Trauma Therapist Network is a website to learn about trauma and how it shows up in our lives and to find a trauma therapist. Go to traumatherapistnetwork.com to find a trauma therapist near you today.